We're going to uh, uh, start a brand new series today called Life and Death. And we're going to be talking about some pretty big issues, and the, the Word of God talks about them in life and death issues and life and death ways. And so let me just say it this way. How many of you guys know that words have power? How many of you guys know that words have power, right? Words have power. See, I can say something in you, I can say something like a word that will like create an emotion as I say a word, right? I can say a word that will create a thought, in you of some sort. So let me just try this out, okay? I'm going to say a word and just see what happens. How about uh, chalkboard screeching? Anybody? Chalkboard screeching. How many of you guys felt that? Just a little bit. Anybody feel that? All right, let me try another one. Let's go the opposite direction. How about ocean sunset? Yeah, everybody said, oh man, that's good. Praise God. How about... Uh, how about we go even further? How about warm fireplace? Like you just imagine this on a winter day, warm fireplace. How about, uh, everybody just do something right now. Just imagine sucking on a lemon right now, okay? <laughs> How many of you guys, your, your cheeks just kind of just tightened up just a little bit, right? How about uh, Kansas City barbecue? Anybody say praise the Lord <laughs> on that one, right? Why? Because words have power. Words have power. How do you guys know that your words are powerful? You guys, you know that your words are powerful. Whenever you have words come out of your mouth, it actually creates a, a thought. You know that words are like idea. They're like tools for us to exchange ideas, right? They're like, there's something powerful about that. I could say, let me just prove it to you in a different way. If I say the word baby, for me, what that does for me is that, Reminds me of when my son was born and made my first child, and I just remember having this sense of just amazement. Amazement. And it just causes me to just think about being amazed at being a father. But yet I know different people, maybe even in this room, when I hear the when you hear the word baby, maybe it, it does conjure up some of those things, but it also might bring some sense of loss too, right? It might bring some pain because of an experience. But also, if, for some others, maybe you heard growing up, like, don't be such a baby or something. And when you hear that word, it causes a sense of, like, rejection or something. You feel rejection. Maybe for others, that, that word baby is like a term of endearment that you share with somebody uh, that you feel special with, right? So what I'm just simply saying is that words have power. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, says how much power. It says death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. So here's the reality. You will eat the fruit of your words, whether they're good or bad. How many of you guys know this is true? I mean, you're going to eat the fruit of your words. Now, I just love it as a preacher and as a pastor when God asks me to preach on an area that I really struggle with, Right? I'm like, thanks a lot, God, you know, uh, but I'm not going to avoid this issue. But I, I'll just be honest. I really struggle in this area, or at least have throughout my life. Even when I was a little kid, I would like, with my parents, I'd have to get the last word in. How many of you guys are last word people? I mean, I had to get the last word. It didn't matter if it was a good word. It didn't matter. I had to have the last word. And I've struggled with this in some area all my life. But I believe the Bible's true. How many of you guys believe the Bible's true? 
There is power in our words. And I believe that our words don't just encompass things that come out of our mouth, but they also encompass things like emails and text messages and social media, right? But I believe it even goes further. I believe that our words don't just come, don't just include things that come out of our mouth, but I believe they are things that reside even in our thoughts because how many of you guys know your thoughts? There are words there, right? And so this is a big deal. And there's life and death in the words that we have thoughts about and the words that we say. There's life and there's death. And you will eat the fruit of your tongue, good or bad. So there's several different stories in the Bible that illustrate this. But I thought immediately about one uh, found in the book of Numbers. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Numbers chapter 22. You can go all the way back to this story. The Israelites had been roaming around in the wilderness for 40 years. They get up onto the edge of the promised land. And there they are on the promised land. And you could tell there's this momentum that they're getting ready to go into the promised land. They're getting ready to make some moves. And in fact, all of the kings around the area had noticed this as well. And they were very uncomfortable with what was going to happen next. And so in Numbers chapter 22, verse 3, it says, And Moab was in great dread of the people because they were many. Moab was overcome with fear of the people of Israel. And Moab said to the elders of Midian, this horde will now lick up all that's around us as the ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, the son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to Balaam. Now Balaam was some sort of a prophet. He wasn't a prophet of God, but evidently he was well known for whatever he would bless would be blessed and whatever he cursed would be cursed. And so Balak sends a team of people to go to try to pay this guy, Balaam, to put curses on the people of God. He believes so much in the power of these words that he goes and pays them. And and at first he refuses and he keeps coming back. And you can look at that on your own. He increases the the sums of money. Verse 6 says, come now and curse this people for me since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I should be able to defeat them and drive them from the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed and he whom you curse is cursed. So he believes so much in the power of words that he was willing to hire at a great sum of money this guy who was known for speaking things and they would, they would happen. But here's the interesting thing. If we can rewind to the end of the story, the end of the story is Balak uh, hired Balaam to put curses on him, but God took the curses and made blessings come out of Balaam's mouth. So that even, even God said, yeah, this kind of counts. Like, we're going to, if, if he spoke curses, it would be curses. But I believe, God, God believed in, in the power of words so much that he caused blessing to come out of Balaam's mouth. So God is really serious when he talks about this and the power of words. Now, some of us in this room are really good at wielding this power of words for good. But is there anybody here who might just admit that you struggle from time to time wielding this power of words? My hand is up with you. In fact, some of us can be quite reckless with our words at times, right? Has anybody looked at maybe something you said or something that you wrote and you was like, that was pretty reckless, right? I mean, you just kind of own that at the end. It's kind of like trying to teach a teenager how to drive, right? How many of you guys have ever had to try to teach a teenager how to drive? They can be pretty reckless. In fact, just to prove this, I have footage. Let's watch. All right, I'm here with my daughter, Rachel. Go ahead and pull up a little bit. Here's the thing. Uh, we've got a neighbor pulling. Oh gosh! This is. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. <laughs> this is. 
the reason we're recording this video is because this is the very first time, literally, that she is driving a vehicle right here. And uh, the, the neighbor is really shocked right now because we just peeled out right in their front of their driveway. Uh, but so I was talking with the parent the other day and I was talking about uh, like trying to train, train drivers like your teenage driver. And so here's Rachel, my one of my daughters. And that you witnessed the very first time just now that she has ever operated a motor vehicle. And you never know how much faith you have until you're sitting beside one of your teenagers and they've answered like 30 out of 40 questions right on a written test. And now you give them the... Uh, the keys to the vehicle. I better put on my seatbelt, but we're gonna try to keep driving here. So go ahead. Uh, how many of you guys have ever you, ever had a reckless driver around you before? We're gonna see what this is like. So very slowly. Okay, here we go. Yeah. See, normally what I do is I normally don't do this. I have Becca train our kids because for some reason the kids driving is more similar to hers. I don't know. Um, but I've got to watch my. Okay, careful here. Oh my gosh, we just almost hit a tree. Um, so. Uh, but here's the thing with reckless drivers uh, a lot of times they have to have practice we're coming up on a stop sign right now so we're going to just see how this goes they have to have practice they have to uh, sometimes they have to have bad experiences go ahead and stop right here yeah all the way and and sometimes they have to learn by doing it the wrong way sometimes they even get into a crash or something in order to learn how to drive better for the next time and that happens from time to time the same is true with our words because sometimes our words can be like a reckless driver in fact proverbs chapter 12 verse 18 says the words of the reckless pierce like swords but the tongue of the wise brings healing so here's the thing sometimes our words can be reckless just like we almost crashed right there um, but the good news is the more practice we have the uh, the more we sometimes we have to crash and burn a few times with our words uh, but the more wise we get with our words the more practice we have the more we can become a purposeful driver with our words instead of a reckless one or a reckless one but one tip of advice no matter what you're doing whether it's in a car or with your words put on a seatbelt Slowly, slowly, slowly. Okay, hold on, there's a tree back there. There's a tree back there. Okay, hit and forward, go forward. Go forward. Slowly, slowly. Okay, okay, a little bit. Okay, hold on, hit the, uh, hit the brakes, there's somebody coming. There's somebody coming. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Yeah, pray for me, guys, pray for me. It's... Sometimes we can be reckless with our words, can't we? We don't, we don't realize the power of our words, and we can be reckless with them. So I'm going to get real practical today, and, and I believe it will help us if we get real practical with this. How do we win with our words? How do we win? How do we, how do we uh, point towards God, and how do we win in a godly way with our words? And the, the first thing is this. Number one, we say less. Boy, this is challenging, isn't it? We say less. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 28 says this in a powerful way. It says, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. So even if you aren't intelligent, <laughs> if you want to seem intelligent, keep your mouth shut. That's what the Bible's saying. Because sometimes we are reckless when we speak. Some of us talk too much. If you're like me, there are times in my life uh, and certain conversations in my life where I would just have to admit that the only time I'm keeping my mouth shut is when I'm, I'm 
somebody else is talking, but I'm actually like preparing my next really good point, right? How many of you guys have been there before? Maybe with your spouse, you're like, okay, hurry up and say your point because I've really been working hard trying to get my point established and I've got a really good zinger that's coming next, you know? But that's not the way it's supposed to work. Keeping my mouth shut is kind of hard sometimes. I was at a meeting uh, a few well, it was a couple weeks ago. I wasn't, I wasn't actually supposed to be there, and I wasn't leading the meeting, but I, I sat in the meeting. I'll tell you what, it was the hardest thing for me just to simply be quiet, just to not say anything because I'm a verbal person. How many of you guys are verbal people? You just go ahead and own it that you're a talker. Just Let's see all the talkers. In, yeah, some people are talking right now. That's all right. You're just a talker. That's just what you do, right? So some of us are talkers, and it's hard. And one of the worst things for a talker at least from my perspective, is when I lose my voice and I can't talk because then I feel like I'm trapped inside of myself somehow. I just can't process that. But I want you to understand this talking less thing doesn't just apply to verbal people because, again, in our thoughts, there are words. Sometimes we need to think about things, worry less, have conversations about other people in our mind less, you know, there are words that we have to take care of and talk less. I had a conversation or a realization a few weeks ago with one of my daughters. And I, and I had heard that she felt like I didn't listen to her very well when she tried to talk to me. And I was thinking, well, that's not true. I mean, I heard half of the sentence that you started talking. I diagnosed your problem came up with a three-step solution and interrupted you to say you don't have anything to worry about. I solved your problem. How do you guys know? I didn't solve the problem, did I, right? Because she simply wanted somebody to listen. Sometimes the best advice we can give people is to say nothing, is to listen. And sometimes we think we're saying helpful words, but if the other person doesn't feel it as helpful, then we haven't accomplished anything. So sometimes we have to be really strategic, and I realize this is very practical, but the Bible gives us very practical advice. Sometimes we have to say less. Sometimes listening is the best advice that we can give. Holy Spirit, help me with that, right? Holy Spirit, help me. The second thing is this. We win on the inside. If you want to win with your words, you got to win on the inside. Uh, in, in fact, Luke chapter 6, verse 45 says this. says, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the, you've heard this before, out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. What is it saying? What's inside is going to come out. We can say it this way. The fruit of your heart is your words. If you want to know what your heart is all about, then listen to what you've been saying lately. Because I could say it this way. Words are like a window to your heart. This includes your thought life. Your, your thought words are a window to your heart. So if you want to know where your heart is at, listen to your words. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How many of you guys ever get by yourself and you start talking to yourself? Anybody? Ever start talking to yourself? It's just me and, okay, the weird people and me. Okay. I was on sabbatical last year and I was gone for like seven, eight, nine days by myself and I realize I am really weird when I get by myself. I mean, I'm like castaway, start talking to volleyball type weird. That's, I mean, I get to that point, And I just realized I was talking out loud without even realizing it. 
I woke up one day, several days in, and I realized I was very systematic. My clothes would go in this way. My my used clothes would go here. My dishes would go here. And I was like, I am so weird, you know? Thank God he put me with people, like, to keep me sane because I'd be really weird on my own. But I was starting to talk to myself. The truth is this. Every one of us talks to ourselves. Doesn't mean it's out loud. But every one of us, if we're honest, we have a conversation that goes on on the inside. The question is, what are we saying? Because there's a conversation happening on the inside. The question is, what are we saying? Some of us struggle with, I was talking with people, struggle with like this inner critic. How many of you guys, you don't have to raise your hand, but just acknowledge, it seems like there's this inner critic, like criticizing things or double checking to make sure everything is done right. It seems like it's constant. For me, that I don't experience that. I was like, man, that just sounds horrible, you know? But for others of us, we have like this inner outward critic, I call it, where we aren't critical of ourselves, but inwardly we're critical of everyone else. And either way, we have to understand this, that if the thoughts or the words that we're having, if they don't point us towards the thoughts or the minds of Jesus, they're a wrong thought. I don't care how helpful we think we're being by having them. If they don't point us to the mind or the thoughts of Jesus that Jesus would have about us or have about others, it's a wrong thought and it has to be ejected and rejected. Amen. But you have to win that on the inside. Now, Balaam, back to our story of Balaam, he had inner conversations all the time. We get a window into some of them. But he had this conversation that ultimately God had to stop him dead in his tracks and interrupt his path. And I wonder in our words or in our inner life, what does it take? How far does God have to go before he has to do something drastic to say, to interrupt where we're going and say, you're on the wrong path. That's exactly what happens with Balaam here in Numbers chapter 22, verse 22. So Balaam starts to go, but God's anger was kindled because he went. And so picture this with me. An angel of the Lord stands and took a stand in the way on the path. And now he was riding on the donkey and his two servants were with him. And the donkey, the, get this, the donkey saw the angel of the Lord. Okay, The donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. Balaam doesn't see it, right? His eyes aren't open. He's just, I'm going my own way. I'm going to keep doing the same thing I've always done. And, and so Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards and a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed against the wall and pressed against Balaam, Balaam's foot against the wall. And so he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled and he struck the donkey with his staff. So Here, God is going to great lengths to communicate to Balaam, you're going the wrong way, (laughs) right? And he does it in such an amazing way. Now, I want to help us illustrate this and kind of get this picture. A few weeks ago, I talked about how I was on vacation and how we were walking on this path. And on this path, there was a baby moose, which was so cute. But how many of you guys know where there's a baby moose? There's There's a mama moose. Yeah. And the mama moose doesn't like it when the baby moose is around people, right? 
And so to illustrate, so just kind of use this as an illustration of something standing in your path that's very dangerous that you ought to go a different way. And I actually have live, I have footage of this event as well. So let's watch. Baby, there's, oh, he's going to, don't come on this trail. What are we going to do? We don't want him to come this way, though. I want him to. No, because then he's going to, the mom's going to be. He's coming over. But that, that mama should be walking through pretty quick. This could be the last footage that that we record. Mama and a baby here. Ready to kill us. Everybody say goodbye. Bye. footage cut off because we started to run for our lives as it started to come towards us. We ran off into the wilderness. So I use that just to illustrate that there's sometimes there's things in our way that first we think are just okay and it's cute and stuff, but, but there's something very, very interesting that God is wanting us to pay attention to. Now, let's use this a little bit further because what's about to happen is one of the strangest stories in the Bible, okay? Watch what happens next. It says, uh, it, it says in Numbers chapter 22, verse 28, then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam. So picture with me real quick, like you're walking on this. Just picture that I'm, let's make this story come alive. I'm videotaping the moose, and God can't get my attention any other way. And so then the moose starts talking to me. That's what's happening in the story, guys. So just imagine I'm filming and the moose starts talking because I'm so thick-headed that God can't get through to me any other way. He's finally like, I'm going to go to drastic measures. So the moose starts to talk. In the story, the donkey, saw, the donkey starts to talk. And he said to Balaam, what have I done to you? He's been struck. You know, what have I done to you that you struck me these three times? Now, as miraculous as the donkey talking, I think what's even more miraculous is that Balaam responds to the donkey as it's just another day, Right? So the donkey says, what have I done to you? And Balaam says to the donkey, because you made a fool of me. And I wish I had a sword in my hand, because then I would kill you. And the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your donkey? On which you've I just hear this almost like in a British accent. Am I not your donkey on which I've ridden all of your days? That was my second best British accent ever. The first one was in first service, by the way, so... He says, am I not your donkey on which you've ridden all the, your life long to this day? Is it my habit to treat you this way? And he said, no. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. And, when he, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed down and fell on his face. So God goes to drastic lengths to say the path you're going down is wrong. And he interrupts. He has to use a crazy conversation. And my prayer today is that the Holy Spirit would reveal to us if there's a path that we're on in our inner life, our inner thought life, or our words, or the power that we wield with our words, that it would reveal that, that we would go into a different path. Do you realize that today can be a new day? 
that you could start a brand new way of wielding the power of words, of, of the way that words happen in your heart, of the abundance of your heart, that good things can come out of your heart? See, that scripture says, out of the abundance of the heart. Now, there are times, how many of you guys have just admit there are times when we have to control our tongues, you have to bite your tongue and not say something. But how much better would it be if you never had to control your tongue? Do you realize, I believe we can get to a point where we don't have to control our tongue because we're feeding the right things into our heart. You know, if you feed the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If I'm feeding good things into my heart, I don't have to watch what's coming out because good is in. You see what I'm saying? The same thing with sin. So many of us are white-knuckling sin, like I'm going to try to not sin. I'm going to try to not sin. How much better would it be if you didn't have to try to not sin because you didn't have the desire to sin? Because you realize we have a new nature. We no longer have a sinful nature, but we have been chained to righteousness. We were slaves to sin, but now we're chained to righteousness. When we were over here chained as, as a slave of sin, it was hard for us to be righteous. But now because of the gift of God, we're now the righteousness of God in Christ. Now I'm chained to righteousness. It should be hard for me to sin. See, it, are you really free from sin if you're white knuckling it and saying, I'm not going to sin, I'm not going to sin? Or are you really free from sin when you're free from the desire to sin? I'm not saying temptation won't come. Temptation does come. But temptation does not have to plant itself and put root in your heart. And I believe the same is true for our words, that we can get to a point where out of the abundance of our heart, see, the good man out of the good treasure brings forth good things. That's a good place to be. How do we do this? I believe the last thing I want to say is this. We begin to say what God says. You want to win with your words? Say what God says. Numbers chapter 22, verse 37 says, Balak said to Balaam, did I not send to you to call you? Why did you not come to me? And am I not able to honor you? And Balaam said to Balak, watch this. Behold, I have come to you. Have I now any power of my own to speak anything? The word that God puts in my mouth, that must I speak. I believe we can even learn something here from Balaam, who wasn't even a, a genuine prophet of God. But he still had something right. And he said, the word that God puts in my mouth, that much I speak. I believe we would solve many of our relationship issues if we simply talk to God before talking to others. If we would simply have a conversation with God before having a conversation with someone else, we would solve so many. Because what would happen is we'd begin to hear what God says about somebody, what God says about a situation, rather than what we want to say. And we would store up the good treasure of God in our heart. And I believe this happens even in other situations in life. In my life, I, how many of you guys have ever found the reoccurring things that keep happening in your life over and over and over again, right? Anybody ever happen that or is it just me, right? So I started to find that there was like reoccurring things happening over and over and over again in my life. And so I started to develop these things that I would pray every day, these confessions that I would pray every single day. And, and one of them, I, I just came up with five of them because I kept coming to the same issue over and over and over again. The first thing is this. I started to ask God for wisdom. Because I realized that every day I keep coming into this situation where I need God's wisdom. How do you guys know you need God's wisdom, right? And I needed God's wisdom every single day. And James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, because he, he will give it to you. But let that man not doubt, 
Because the person who doubts is like wave tossed back and forth on the sea. And so I began to ask God for, for wisdom. I said, God, you said if I lack wisdom, to ask from you. And so I'm going to ask you for wisdom. And you know what I do after I ask God for wisdom? I assume from that point on, the rest of that day, that the decisions I make are full of God's wisdom. Because he said to ask, and he said he'd give it. Now, along the way, if God said, you know, reminds me, hey, why don't you go and seek wise counsel on this one or whatever, I'm going to be led by the Spirit. But I started to develop this habit of every day, I didn't put it on my list or anything, I just, it would start to flow out of me. I would just get up and I would be like, God, I asked for your wisdom today, because I know I'm going to need your wisdom. The second thing that started to develop and become a routine was, I said, God, I claim your favor. Because I realized that so many times we can get so lost trying to chase after things. And Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 2 says, And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. And so I just started to claim, God, I'm not going to have to chase after a bunch of stuff or chase after blessings. I believe, and I'm just going to claim that your blessings are overtaking me. I'm not going to spend a bunch of time worried about it. I just trust that they're overtaking me today. And I began to just put that in my routine as I would just begin to pray. Number three, I began to really struggle in this area and kind of sit in this area for a while. And some of you guys will understand why when I say it. But I found this reoccurring problem in me. That I began to doubt my standing with God. Has anybody ever done that before? Like, where am I at with God right now? Because we know of our sin. We know what we've done wrong. And so I began to make this confession. I accept that I am right before God in Jesus Christ. Sometimes I would have to sit in this for a little bit because I don't want to just say words that are empty. But Jesus gave me his gift of righteousness. That's right standing before God. In fact, Romans chapter 5, verse 17 says, For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive an abundance of grace, and listen to this, a free gift of righteousness. Do you realize that if you're in Christ, you've received a free, which you cannot earn, right? How many of you guys know you can't earn free? You can't buy free. You can't work for free. It's just, I mean, you can work for free, but you can't earn free, right? You don't earn a gift. You don't buy a gift for yourself. That's not how it works. A gift is given, right? I've received a free gift of right standing before God. And if it's a free gift of right standing, I can't earn it. I can't work for it. If I'm in right standing before God, you know what? When God the Father looks at me, he sees it through the lens of Jesus Christ. You realize that ought to set some people free? See, it's not based on what you've done. And see, I struggled with it just like you're struggling with it right now because I know what I did this week. I know where my shortcomings were, but it's not based on what I did or what my shortcomings are. It's based on his gift of right standing to me before the Father. So I say it this way when I pray this. I am as right before God as anyone on the planet right now. I'm as right before God as anyone who has ever lived. That's not pride in me. That's thankfulness for his gift. That's confidence in the gift of righteousness. Do you know the fruit of understanding that? The fruit of that does not cause me to go and sin. The fruit of that makes me lean closer to Jesus and become more like Christ. Because the more I understand the grace of his gift, oh man, the more I want to be like Jesus. But sometimes I have to sit in that just for a little bit until it becomes true for me on the inside. 
Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I began to make this confession. Number four, I began to confess that I walk in God's grace. Now, God's grace can be defined in so many different ways, but in this sense, I define it this way, God's empowering ability. You realize gifts of the Spirit, that word gift is like grace, right? It's a gift. The, the grace, the empowerment of God. So that when I walk into a situation, I began to just confess and say what God says. When I walk into this situation, I'm not going under my own power, but I'm going on the power of Jesus Christ. I'm going on the power of the Holy Spirit. I walk in the grace of God. Hebrews 4, 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in, to help in time of need. Because God's grace is there. Then finally I said, I receive a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Not because I've got to be baptized in the Holy Spirit again, but I just need a fresh filling. Like today, God, I'm opening up my, my heart, and I just say, fill me up today. Holy Spirit, I need you as a guide. I need you as a comforter. I need your gifts to flow through me. I need your fruit to flow through me. And I just open myself up as a vessel and say, God, today, I just receive a fresh filling today. And then I began to develop that and just begin to pray that just over and over again, not as some routine, but just simply because I wanted to start to say what God says about my situation. And that may not be for you. You may have your own list. My, my point is simply this. If you want to win with your words, begin to say what God says. As you look at your relationships, begin to say what God says. As you look at your situation, begin to say what God says. I don't want a worship team to come back up as we get ready to close, but I want to do something because I really believe the more we say what God says, the more words that we say have life and not death. And some of us, out of the abundance of our heart, maybe out of the abundance of our thought, death, we've been speaking death over our situation. We've been speaking death over our marriage. We've been speaking death over our job instead of speaking life. And if we really believe that words have power, and not just speaking words just to try to say words, I'm just saying if we really believe this really is what it is, the Bible says it is, then our words do have power. Our words do have meaning. So would you guys stand up with me as we get ready to close? And I want us to do something real quick here as we get ready to close out. You might bow your heads and close your eyes just to shut out distractions for just a second, but I'm just going to ask you, what situation are you facing right now that you need to speak life in? And I ask the Holy Spirit just to reveal that right now. Maybe it's in your thought life or maybe it's just the words you've been saying. or Maybe out of the abundance of your heart towards your spouse is become, it's anger, words of anger or frustration. Maybe out of your heart towards your job it's just been fear or frustration. Just you don't like and so you just begin to speak these things. And maybe the Holy Spirit would bring a certain situation or a certain person or a certain relationship to mind. And maybe just ask the Holy Spirit right now if he would give you new words to speak. Because with new words come new power because words have power. If he would give you some God type of words to speak over that situation. God type of words to speak over that relationship. Some of you, he's just going to simply give you a word. Maybe one word. For others, it may be a phrase. Some of you might be directed to put that up on your refrigerator, keep it in your pocket, put it on your phone, whatever it is. 
But Holy Spirit, right now, we say make us into whatever you want us to be and interrupt our path, interrupt our thought pattern. Replace us with, replace our words with your words. Lord, we just speak life, the life of God in our situation. You might even just speak it right there under your breath or just in your heart, whatever that word is, and just let that just begin to, to marinate in there. Let new life begin to come. Some of you are just seeing new things begin to grow even as you're planting that new word in the soil of the situation. I can just see it happening right now. Relationship, you're, you're seeing, you're beginning to prophetically see what the relationship is going to look like with this new word. When this word goes forth and accomplishes what it's going to do, you begin to see your situation or your job with new life and you begin to see that prophetically. Lord, we just speak those things out, God, because we know they're from you. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship Jesus one more time.